I'll be reading the text for this morning. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, and also the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Please listen carefully, for this is the Word of God. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then in Acts 1, 6 through 9. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is the word of the Lord. Yes? Oh, how'd you know that? <laughs> okay, we are in our series, um, Revive Vision, and I'm helping you try to see what will this new church, Revive Presbyterian, what will it be about? And um, as I've been saying in the past, I, I hope those of you who are kind of more like long-timers here, um, you will say, I know this already, but it's still so fresh and still so wonderful because... That's, um, you know, we never get tired of saying this is what we're about. And because for, for one thing, you know, we live in a city where most people don't live for these things. And we gather to um, live for Jesus and his glory in this way. This sermon, I actually feel in many ways, is really a continuation of last week's sermon. What we're talking about is that our church is very serious about obeying this command where Jesus says, Make disciples, make disciples, and teach them to follow all I've commanded. And last week, mostly, you know, in some ways, I'm really talking, I talked a lot about the problem of like rest, like where churches stumble here, because this is an incredibly important text. This is right before Jesus ascends, and then I'm also showing you the Acts 1 version, and in so many ways, they're the same command. I want to give you both. And, you know, we're, I'm going to unpack more the Matthew 28 passage today, and we'll talk more about the Acts 1 passage later. But in a lot of ways, they're, they're parallel and they're the same. And, um, and this thing, make disciples, make followers, 
And that's not really, last week I talked mostly about like how the church often, in, in terms of the way we do 21st century American consumeristic church, we often stumble on these very, very super clear words. And today, um, I want us to wrestle with some more with these words. And in a message that I've talked about, I'm going to call it true humanity and the long obedience. Um, there is a, a phrase, uh, there's a, there, he's, he's, an, he's an older generation pastor, a guy named Eugene Peterson. And he has this phrase of what he calls discipleship. He calls it a long obedience in one direction. That's what he calls it. It's a long obedience in one direction. And um, I think that is, a, that, is, that is a great way to describe, be, make disciples, be followers, and then come teach them to do all that I've commanded. Um, I want to unpack this and wrestle with this in today's, this idea of um, the long obedience. Um, and and we, we have difficulties with that. And there's a lot of um, fears, fears that we have about it. And, um, and I want to talk today some about the how, the how in our church, that the way we will go about it, right? And so, okay, part one, um, the long obedience by grace. Part one, the long obedience by grace. Part two, spirit-filled life on life. That's, um, that's the how, right? Spirit-filled life on life. And part three, the glory and promise of becoming truly human. The glory and promise of becoming truly human. Now let's get into this passage, uh, the long obedience by grace. Uh, this is what Jesus says before he ascends. This is his command. This is what he told disciples to do. He says, um, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is a, that's before he gives it, he, he prefaces it by this. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Um, do you understand I have some authority as your pastor? <laughs> And you've, you know, and then as a, as, a, as, a, as a pastor and by the church, I have some authority. You know, your parents have some authority. Your boss has some authority. The president has some authority. Um, only one person says all authority. <laughs> and then after he says this point, first let me just remind you what, what I have so I can say this to you. And then this is the command. It's typically called the Great Commission. I, we can call it the Great Command. <laughs> The big command from the big person, all right? The top, top, top authority giving a great, great, big command to all those who follow. And then this is what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Okay? Now let's just break this down a little bit. Um, uh, make disciples. Make followers. First, you are my followers. And then now, a key thing that you do is I want you to go and make other followers. Of whom? Every nation. <laughs> Every single nation. All of them out there. All the tribes, all the ethnicities, all of them. Go find and make disciples of all of them. And the part that, and, and then go baptize them. Um, this is the part I often think the churches like to, we, we, I often think the churches think the command is something like this. Convert some people and baptize them 
and then you get more rear ends in your seats, more people to give money, <laughs> and then you, know, then you can perpetuate the religious institution. And then you, you've done a good job. Get more consumers and then baptize them. And, and then don't really do discipleship. I think that's what's going on in so many churches. But he says make followers. Make followers. You know, you do this covenantal thing. Baptism is seal them into the life of the full Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The full name of God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they will have an utterly new identity and be born into an utterly new family. That is what I want you to do and make them full-on followers. Now, let me just, let's just stop for a moment there. Is this easy? <laughs> this is the command that God gave his disciples to the church. Is this going to be done overnight? <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> And are we going to do this well? <laughs> Probably not. It is, um, just, 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 let's just stop for a moment. Um, all the guys who heard this when he first, they're all Jews. And um, the world there, by this point, they know the world is vast. I, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, if you, before the Roman Empire and incredible civilization came along and it could have been, like, let's say you lived in the middle of, I don't know, in the middle of Iowa in, like, 1825, and everybody in your town was Dutch. I don't know, right? And, and you're a Dutch immigrant, and all they do is farming, and this is your life, and you believe in this God named Jesus, and this is your life. Everybody is white. Everybody is Dutch. Dutch people are tall, so, you know, like... They're six foot three dudes and like five foot ten women and they're all tough and they milk cows and this is your life and we believe in Jesus, right? And that's your whole life. And then there's this place in this weird book called the Bible and the God who is the top, top authority, higher than every authority, your dad, greater than the pastor, greater than the president, the king, name it. And then goes, make disciples of all nations. I mean, it's really strange, isn't it? <laughs> you imagine, if, you're, if you lived in a little town like that, there's like, that's really an interesting command. Okay, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to leave this county. <laughs> and nobody outside this county is ever going to, you know, move here. And everybody around here knows this form of life. But back then, I, and the reason I mentioned that to you is, if you were a Jew living in Jerusalem, in the Roman Empire, you are a more advanced, civilized person than probably a Dutch farmer living in 1825 Iowa. I'm not kidding. Because you lived in a multi-ethnic global city, and you met Romans and Cyprians and like people with darker skin and browner skin and yellow skin and, and strange color hair. You met all of them, because that's the kind of town you lived in. And um, and then, but your whole life, you stayed in this ghetto called, you know, Jewish folks. You stayed in an ethnic ghetto, and you practiced your religion because those people's religion, that's gross. I can't, can't believe that stuff, right? And they're weird sexual practices, and they go and sacrifice, and, and they have weird orgies over there in their temple. And now, your king 
highest authority, the one you worshipped, it's, it's, it's a strange little portion right before he says this, they worshipped him, you're a Jew, remember you're a Jew, and you bow down to a man and you worshipped him, which means you're saying you're, you're a God because you never ever worship anybody besides God if you're a Jew, right? So anybody who ever ever confused that they didn't think he was God, don't ever be confused. <laughs> you are man, you are God, when you say you have all authority, we get it, okay? And yet, astounding thing he says, go make disciples of all the nations. But I'm always saying here, in, in this little crowd of folks, and you know, in, in our religious, you know, little, little subculture, and in our, and in our like, proper people ghetto, this is kind of what we do. And yet he says, go out all the nations, make them full-on followers, and baptize them into this deep new identity. And, and then, let me just say a little something about this. We get to the beginning of Acts, they don't do it. <laughs> One thing that I'm pointing out to you is, this thing that God called us to do, we're not going to be good at it. <laughs> and it is a long, we, it is, we are, he is asking us to play the long game. Now let, let's go to the second part, all right? Um, the first, well, there's the second part is go make followers, baptize them, and then there's actually the third part. The third part, which everybody likes to conveniently forget, which is teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. I gave this little tip in how to read the Bible. Um, think of what is not said there. Teaching them to um, observe some of what I've commanded you. <laughs> teaching them to cherry pick the convenient parts that they can do, and that's the only part that they have to do. Is that what Jesus said to do? Teaching them to do all that I've commanded to do. And if you read the other parts of the part, you know, they followed him for multiple years. Said things like this. Okay, those 5,000 people over there, feed them. Um, but we don't have much. Yeah, go feed them. Oh, you know, when you go into the temple, you know the guy who's got all the good words and he's all cleaned up on the outside? Don't pray like him. You know that prostitute sitting in the corner? Pray like her. Pray like her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you, you know, the Samaritans, you know, you, those people that you really hate? Because, you know, you're filled with lots of racism and judgmentalism. You hate their religion. You hate their ethnicity. You hate their bloodline. You hate them. If your kid married any one of them, you completely flip out. <laughs> yeah, go, go treat them as your neighbor. Love them. That kind of thing. Go make disciples with them. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things he taught. <laughs> and he said, go do all of them. Now go do all of them. Go do them. And they go teach other people to do them. This is a long. He is saying, do something that's going to take a long time to learn how to do, and you will mostly stink at it, and you will fall down a lot. It's one of the great things about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You go find, okay, who are the first followers of Jesus? You watch them, and here, you know what you, know what you mostly find when you, when you watch them? Failure. It's like, they should be called the 12 idiots of Jesus. He picked 12 guys, and 
they were mostly idiots. You know, there was the loudest idiot that we like to call the leader, the leader idiot, Peter. And then he would open up his mouth, foot and mouth disease, <laughs> and say something really embarrassing, <laughs> right? And then, or he would say something really good. Ah, God revealed that to you, not man. And then he would turn around and say something. He was like, that's get behind me, devil. <laughs> lead idiot, right? So, you know, that's about how good I am. I'm the lead idiot, okay? <laughs> that's what church is, guys. <laughs> but you know what discipleship is? It's a lot of repentance. It's lifelong repentance. It's lifelong falling down. It's lifelong fight. Discipleship, one of the things that makes, one is is God is telling us to do something really hard and quite frankly impossible. In your power, my power, yeah, I'm just going to go right into the Mexican neighborhood and turn them into disciples. That's that's what we're going to do, right? Or I'm going to follow everything that Jesus commanded, you know, by myself because, you know, I don't really need a church. First of all, we have no hope to be able to do this thing that Jesus had to do, and we really have no hope to do it on your own. So discipleship is a communal activity. It's why it takes a church. And a church is making disciples. They are disciples making disciples, and they're mostly just like the 12 idiots. <laughs> and then, and then here's the great part. They learn by grace. Obedience is a long obedience where they screw up by grace, and then they learn again, and they learn again. We go do something, and we mostly screw it up. But the small part that Jesus said, you got it, that's growing. That's discipleship. Okay, let's go do it again now. Oh, let's, let's change this part. I forgive you. Remember, no condemnation under Jesus by grace. Many people walk into church and they do this. I've been forgiven by grace. I want to be born again in Jesus. I'm going to be baptized. Okay, then then it's weird. Then you become a Christian and there's a lot of things to do. We want you to get into the Bible. We want you to learn to have a prayer life. We want you to forgive your friends. Forgive your enemies. Ooh, that's crazy. And give money to people that you, you, you generally don't even want to hang out with. Be really generous. Crazy generous, in fact. Just insanely generous. And, um, and be, be kind and merciful. Don't be filled with hate, pride, resentment. You know, like, that, that person snubbed me. Okay, I'm just going to, like, nurse the grudge next week and next month. Constantly avoid them, give them passive aggression. But they're my brother and sister. No, they're not my brother. Okay, they are my brother and sister, but I will, I will like, in my heart, regularly hate them. <laughs> the command is love them. <laughs> forgive them. How many times do you forgive them? 70 times? No, 70 times, seven times. <laughs> That's the command. <laughs> That's the command. Someone in your church, someone you know. They screwed you. They snubbed you. I hate them. Forgive them. And then they do it again tomorrow because they're so stupid. (laughs) Forgive them again. Really? 
This is discipleship. This is discipleship. And you know what's happening in all this? We must again and again, we screw it up, fall down. We, we walk in thinking like, there's all these to-dos. So Jesus, saved me by grace. Thank you for finished work on the cross. It's awesome. Okay, now, all right, I'll be a consumer and just only do the easy parts. Actually, the obedience, we tend to go, oh, I did it. So the Pharisee goes, I did it. You didn't. I did it. I come to church a lot. I do quiet times. I do devotionals. I know the Bible. You don't. Hence, I'm like up here and you're down here. I'm better than you. Right? And, of course, that's like the worst part. You just can't stand those people. Because right? they disobey the part about, you know, praying like a prostitute, that part. But we do that. So then, all of a sudden, the things we obey is about me. It's about my performance. But actually, real discipleship is the obedience that learns failure, that runs to repentance, and finds out the cross is not an event in the past. Finds out that the cross is a real thing every day. That you run to a crucified Jesus. And because you have a crucified Savior, all that gross garbage, the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the greed and the pride and all that other stuff that's just all there, oh my, like, like fearfulness, Phariseeism, that we show up at church being the 12 idiots, you know, the 100 idiots. And then we show up at the 100 idiots being all like, and then doing the status thing. They did the same, the status, who's better in this room? <laughs> who's, they do that too. And we do this. I'm, 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 okay, I, I'm not Peter, so I'm like number six, but I'm not, at least I'm not number eight. <laughs> it's like, in this room, I'm number six. You sit down, sit over there, dude, because like, I'm number six. You have to sit lower than me. And all that stuff. And when we go and obey all those things, we find out, wow, all this cruddy stuff, we know what we find out. I'm so glad my Savior puts that cruddy stuff on him and it died on the cross. And then, you know what he's saying? When you obey me, what I'm going to do is give you my newness of life. I'm going to give you my resurrection life. I'm going to give you the spirit-filled life. Not your fleshly, horrible, dying, hellish life, but heavenly life. That's the promise. So discipleship isn't like salvation by grace. Oh, now, like, like this big burden of works to do. My gosh, let the extra credit people do that. <laughs> you know, like, I just, I'm, you, know, I'll, you know, most of you are Asian. You probably, like, didn't want to get anything less than, like, an A minus. <laughs> A lot of you, oh, B minus. Okay, fine, B minus. We can live with B minus, right? But, you know, like, but, like, somehow in church we're like, yeah, D minus will, will do. <laughs> C minus will do. And all the extra credit people, you know, the people who are chasing the A, A plus, and extra credit, they can do all the obedience part. And then church becomes like the, the chasers who often become Pharisees, and then the, oh, I can't stand those people, and, and then that's, that's, like, that's just acting like the 12 idiots. But actually, it is a long obedience toward bigger, bigger, bigger grace discovery. <laughs> 
That's what it is. Okay? So I'm, what I'm trying to do is trying to help you see discipleship not as a to-do task, as an overwhelming to-do task. I want you to hear discipleship in the gospel. <laughs> that discipleship is actually like the biggest grace of your life. <laughs> that this command from Jesus is big time grace. He goes like, before I leave you, I'm just going to give you a big hard thing to do and just run you like my slaves. Because, <laughs> you know, I just want a bunch of little slaves to form like my, my religious organization on the earth and just like run them really hard with duty and obligation and burn them out, right? That's, that was Jesus' agenda, right? Of course not. Before I go back to the Father, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the biggest grace I got. And I'll give you the Holy Spirit so you can follow. The long obedience by grace. Let's go to part two. How? Okay. That's awesome, Pastor. Lots of grace. But like, so let's just talk for a little bit. Most churches are not very good at forming disciples. What, what most churches do, and our church was like this too, and you know, when I say most churches, I'm saying, okay, we're better. No, 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 we, we are just like them. <laughs> but we are in a season of repentance because we, we, we decided we, we figured out something better, okay? And most churches do discipleship in a very, very haphazard and low-grade way. <laughs> so it's kind of like this. Show up on Sunday, go to Bible study. You know, very traditional would be something like Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Or Sunday morning, Sunday night. So, you know, the C minus folks show up on Sunday morning, <laughs> and the B minus folks show up on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. That was, that's sort of like the traditional way, right? And then, and then um, churches got a little like, like savvier about this, and they realized, okay, we need to have Sunday, and we need to have Wednesday, and we need to like teach the Bible. So then they would have, they would have Sunday morning, and then they'd have Bible study at some point, and then they'd have like Wednesday night. And then the people chasing the A would do all three. And some of them become Pharisees, <laughs> and some become more disciples. Okay? They actually learn the thing that Jesus is saying, and then they actually try to do them, and then they find out, oh my gosh, I'm not very good at them, and then they learn to embrace the cross. The ones that don't embrace the cross, those are the Pharisees, and they become prideful, and then the ones that do embrace the cross, those are disciples. Okay, real disciples. Something that's just hard to see. When you walk into the church, there's the Pharisees and disciples, and they sit right next to each other, and externally they have, like, have all the same seemingly behavior or actions, but what's coming out of the heart of one versus the other is very, very different. <laughs> what's coming out of the heart of one is the life of the Holy Spirit. It's the newness of life, the resurrection life. What's coming out of the other is gross. <laughs> okay? And guess what? You and I are this. One Sunday, you, you show up, you're doing Phariseeism. <laughs> Heck, you can use Phariseeism for four months. And then you're like, okay, all right, let's, let's, then you remember, I'm more like the prostitute, not the cleaned up person. And so most churches do it in this very haphazard way. Some go to, so then, you know, in recent years, they invented this thing called small group, community group, cell group, you know, we, you know, every, all these vocabularies, and then, then some people, then they treat those in a low-grade way. They just go hang out, 
Some do just Bible study there. Some just do hangout there. All these kinds of stuff, right? But where does this more deep following happen? And some churches will be like, let's learn the Bible over here, and then let's go out into the city and do stuff there, and then we have worship, we're going to learn the Bible, we're going to go, like, practice. And our church has had varying versions of this, mission trips, service activities, and then we have, like, men's ministry, and we teach you how to, like, have have a quiet time, you know, devotion, so that you can have your regular covenantal interaction with Jesus. All these, these are all pieces. But, um, you know, um, uh, for those of you who were around a few years ago, I, I did, you know, I knew that, you know, like I keep this, this verse is constantly on my mind. And I said, this isn't enough. We got to get some people to like jump in and d- go deeper. And so I came up with this material. I wrote all this material and did this version. I called it my version 1.0 of discipleship. And I knew it was going to work very, very imperfectly, which means it was like probably like 80% not going to work. And I think it like 90% didn't work. <laughs> okay, it like I, I was hoping okay it'll, it'll like 20% work, 80% fail. But I think it 90% failed and like maybe five to 10% worked. And so, as a disciple trying to make disciples, and I'm not very good at making the disciples because you know like I'm, I'm the lead idiot. Remember, <laughs> remember that that's the pastor's title by the way. When you call him pastor. <laughs> Pastor is lead idiot. Just remember that, okay? Lead idiot. The, 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 the guy who's regularly going to go fail, and then his job is to get back up and then go, oh, yeah, oh yeah. let's embrace the cross and remember everybody, to, like, like, let's go do it again, okay? And I knew that version 1.0 of discipleship was like not, mostly not working, okay? But I knew we were going to do it again. And so, um, you know, when Pastor Young came to our church, we were wrestling with this some more. And... Um, and we're praying about it. Well, what, what is it? And you know what we found out a couple, uh, about a year and a half ago, we found out about a church that did discipleship in the way that we always, we, we heard this thing, we believed that it should be done. Just never seen anybody do it. Um, and they call it life. So the church is called Perimeter, Presbyterian Church, now Atlanta. And they call it life on life missional discipleship. Now, some of you are doing it. Some of you are starting to figure out, and we did not announce this yet because when they, we went into their training, to Perimeter Church's training, and they tell you, don't announce it. It's not a program because then all the people will feel like I can jump into this and do this like a program and it'll be just like another program like all the other church and then you'll have the Pharisaical thing going on and then you'll have the cynical thing, all that stuff. <laughs> they said, do not do that. All right? Let me tell you what, how Life on Life mission, it's, they, they're select, you can't sign up for it. You must be chosen. Why? Because that's how Jesus did it. You know what the goal is? To learn to follow over three years. Why? That's how Jesus did it. And you know how you learn to follow? By going to a class? No. By going Sunday morning and then going to a class and then doing small group? No, that's not how Jesus did it. Did, he did it by putting his life on their life. And then going on to the mission that God called him to do, let's go to it together. Oh, but you will fail. Oh, but I will put my life on your life, and you will see the life of God in me, me obeying the mission of God from our Father, and I'll walk with you as you fall down. Hmm. 
for three years. That's how Jesus did it. Where we have embarked on this thing, and it is a very serious commitment. <laughs> and one of the things I said to the, the, to the three men who, um, well, to those I asked, is, is not, it is a serious commitment of time. These guys, <laughs> they spent a lot of time with Jesus. <laughs> I don't know when they made money. Maybe they didn't make money. I don't know. I, I think they worked sometimes, didn't work other times. Um, they had to spend time away from their wife and kids. They, it's like, it's, it's a serious interruption into their life. This is the same thing. It's a serious interruption into your life. And, um, and we're going to ask you to face and then go into obedience. And as we go into obedience, you're going to find out things like this. Oh, man. You know, like I'm, it's like I'm super scared to talk to people that are a different ethnicity and they don't believe in what we believe. I'm scared to do that. Well, okay, let's go learn obedience in that together, right? Together. And so what is Life on Life mission? What they, how did they learn it? They walked and they saw it. They tasted grace. They fell down and somebody helped pick them up. That's how Jesus did it. And we have concluded, you know, this is a really weird thing. You can read this in the Bible. When we went to training, they said, we do discipleship basically the way Jesus did discipleship. <laughs> and I sat there and I wanted to start laughing. <laughs> I was going like, um, all the churches, including ours, d- don't do it that way. <laughs> That's really interesting. Your church actually decided to do it the way Jesus did it. And then they found out that people have all kinds of difficulties and they problem shot all of it <laughs> and trained us in it. And um, we came away thinking, you know, this is really wild. Every church, including our church, is looking for a a hack. (laughs) You know, some kind of shortcut, some easier way of doing it. Because, you know, everybody in America kind of wants, give me a hack. (laughs) We don't want the long obedience. We don't want the long game. We just want the shortcut. (laughs) Everything in life, we want the shortcut. You know? Fall in love, get married, boom, everything's great. That doesn't work, right? Have kids, boom, and they'll be perfect kids. You know, give me the hack, give me the shortcut, and then we want to do that in church, we want to do that in our spiritual life, we want to do that in everything. We want to do that in everything. And so the church follows after the wisdom of the world, shortcuts and hacks, and actually doesn't do what Jesus said. This is really interesting. And you know, one of the things, I've, after kind of going through this, after many years of being a pastor and realizing, man, doing church by shortcuts and hats doesn't produce a lot of like serious followers. And then I'm always running around doing like a lot of different things, putting out fires, and I'm getting exhausted. And um, it's actually not producing what Jesus wants. And then we listened to a church where they actually said, Whatever, let's ask a few people if they'll do it, if they'll commit. And it has been incredible. Now let's time out. Some of you go, I didn't get asked. Or if I was asked, I'm too scared, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> or, or, I travel a lot. I can't, you know, like, the commitment is huge. You have 
minimum an hour and a half meet with your, your discipleship group. You have plenty of homework. You have to learn new habits like actually learning to do devotion every day. They call it personal worship. And then you're going to start meeting with your discipler and then things, doing things like, you know, we're going to pray for a non-Christian person in your life. And then we're going to actually challenge you to, like, actually share the gospel with that person. Whoa! <laughs> like, actually do evangelism. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. And then if you actually have, like, great anger or something like that, like, learn new character things and new wisdom to apply into your marriage and to your parents. We're going to, we're going to learn all that stuff. Right? And you're going to find out somewhere in there is going to be something really hard and painful inside of you that may be breaking you. And that's why you've been broken and falling down so much. And then we're going to walk together with you. And it's going to take a lot of energy and time. Huge commitment. And one of the things I want, the reason I say time out is because maybe you're just not at a place where you're ready for this. And you know what I want to say? It's okay. Because you know why? It's by grace. We're not going to impose the commitment on you. That's why there wasn't sign-ups. Because some of you would sign up, and they're like, what? what? Uh, and then you'd feel guilty because you signed up for this thing. <laughs> and then you'd like run away, and, like, and then you, you, you might get rebellious, because that's what we do. Because <laughs> we sign up for things that we don't know what we want to get into. And then you're like, wait a second, now I'm obligated, obligated. We hate the big O. Obligation, duty, big D, duty, obligation. And I'm obligated. So this selection process, is, is, it takes time. We, like prayerful. Like, so we've been incubating this thing for months. And those who have been training in this thing, it's, it's like Perimeter Church has been deprogramming us. <laughs> the first clinic is deprogramming you from lame hack church. And let's program you into discipleship like Jesus. And then this clinic we just came back from was give them more grace, chase their hearts, sow more and more Holy Spirit into them as they face their hardest stuff. It's a lot of what it was. Now here's what I want to say. If you're not ready for this, it's okay. Come to church. Do GLF. You know, your prayer life grow in all your ways. But there may be a point, and you know, every year we're gonna go through a certain election, and maybe you you want this. And then we do, we're gonna ask you, think about your life. What can you say no to? Because you have to say no to certain things to say yes to this. And one of the uh, things I said is it's not just a huge time commitment, it's not just a huge thing, but you must have courage and you must spill. All your garbage. You must become very vulnerable. So you can become a follower all the way from the heart. And one of the things I will promise you, you will see all my crap too. I'm scared, guys. I'm scared too. I'm scared to do this too. But one of the things I concluded is the long way is the short way. (laughs) It's really weird. (laughs) Sometimes you ever wonder if you do it the real way. It's actually the shortest way. That's one of the things I've After all my years of ministry, I was like, ah, you're scared, Susan, whatever. (laughs) You you already know all the other ones don't work. So full on by grace, let's go do this. Love a few brothers, some of the sisters, love a few sisters, and spill it all out. 
And let's repent together. Let's keep falling down together. Life on life. So we, didn't, we weren't trying to be quiet about it, but we, this quiet thing that it's already it started in our church, this is how we're going to do it. And, and we think this is one of the most exciting and glorious things. Right? All right, let's close. Um, the glory and promise of becoming truly human. Jesus, this is the great command, the great grace. And what I want is all of you in your life, you want to become more human, the person that you know. You know there's a better person in you. (laughs) You know there's a better person in you. And like when you were younger, you just, I'm just going to become a better person. And now you've been, you know, in this person for a long time. And you're like, gosh, I think, I guess I'm just a rotten person. (laughs) And really what you're knowing is you're trying to become most deeply human. Now here's the way I want to close this message. There's three options of how to be human. Not 10, 20, 100. There's three. Okay? Let me give you the secular way. That is to be an animal. That's the wisdom in our culture today. right? The human being is an evolved, smart animal that talks and writes and has to have this thing called meaning. But basically, it's animal life. Right? Let's, let's, uh, let's observe the species. It's mostly, are they comfortable enough? Do they reproduce? Are they happy in the way they copulate? Do they get enough food? And if you get enough food and you get you know, a mate to, to copulate with and then reproduce, <laughs> You lived a good life. That's the animal way, right? Literally, I, I know it's just a really rude way of putting it. I know it's a super rude way of putting it, but am I, being, am I telling you something false? That is literally what is preached. That is literally what is preached. You go to the finest universities, and that is exactly what they tell you who we are. Now let's go try to go be some version of the cells, and then there's wars about how to be the animal. Right? Our politics is just animal fights. It's <laughs> really that's all it is. Right? It's just that these set of animals want to be animals one way, and these set of animals want to be animals a little bit anyway, and it's just a big fat rat cage. <laughs> right? and so that's one, one pathway to be a human. The second pathway is worse, <laughs> is to be a devil. <laughs> it's worse. So let me show you the obvious devils. The obvious devils are um, sociopaths and psychopaths who murder other people (laughs) for fun. Devils like to do which is evil, and they like to do that thing. They like to do that thing. So there's animals. They're just animals. Okay, they like they eat. If I get enough food, I'm scared. Okay, don't make me scared. Oh, okay. Hey, I want a mate. Okay, we get to reproduce. Great. And then then then. Then, eat, then eaten by a lion and your life is over, okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But they're, you know, they're not evil. They're just animals. <laughs> Devils choose evil and they like it. The obvious is, um, you know, the obvious is like a sociopath. But not so obvious is like this. I you know, climb up this greasy pole called ambition in my company. 
I kind of lie and I kiss my, you know, kiss this guy's rear end, and then I, you know, abuse and this other person, and then I get this better position, and now I have power, and I have pride. <laughs> I have pride. So it's not about food or sex, even about money. It's about meaning, where I use pride and abuse and use. That's the devil. See, like the devil just wants nobody above him. And then he wants to use other people, and then he gets pleasure in the meaning of, like, this is what makes me good. That's the devil. Okay? That's, so mostly human beings choose animal, devil, some combination of, of the two. That's our habit. Habitually, this is how we live the human life. And then people wonder why there's a hell. <laughs> like, what do you mean? We're making it. We're making it. It's incredible that this isn't actually hell. If this is all there is, it would just be hell. <laughs> if this is all there is, it would just be hell. You understand that? But, but the reason this isn't hell is because there's a chance of doing the third pathway. <laughs> the third pathway is to be human and the Bible, right in the beginning of the book, you're made in the image of God. To become human is to be like God. <laughs> so we're born, and we live like animals and devils. Habitually, this is how we think, this is how we feel, this is what we like, this is what we choose, and we call it Christianity even, <laughs> called Phariseeism, okay? We even call it Christianity. The correct religion you know, the Jews had the correct religion, and then they, you know, they turned it into something gross. Now, we have the correct religion, turned it into something gross, because we do it by animal, devil, right? And then Jesus says, follow me. In everything I do, I promise you, it's good. It's good. And when we follow him, you know where you go to? The cross. And when you follow him, he takes you to the cross. Because you know what happens at the cross? Your devil self, your animal self, is crucified in union with him. And it dies and is drained away. And in repentance, newness of life, real humanity, like God, emerges. <laughs> Heaven breaks into hell. <laughs> That's what happens. We call it earth, but we make it hell. And then heaven breaks into the earth through discipleship <laughs> by grace. That's what's happening. And the cross is not something that happened a long time ago. It's happening like five times a day, ten times a day, if you're a disciple. And newness of life, your old gross self, <laughs> The devil animal self is dying. The old theologians called it mortification of the flesh. And then, so we get vivification by the Spirit. Newness of life from Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Our part, follow. In grace, through faith. This is what our church is going to do. That's what it's going to be about. And we're going to bring heaven to this animal, crazy demonic city called San Jose. <laughs> and heaven's going to come here through Revive Church. 
You believe that? Does that sound good? Let's pray. The, the famous rat cage called Silicon Valley. And, um, but some of us want to crucify the inner rat and demon inside of us and have it washed away by your blood, Jesus, so that newness of life, the very life of God, the new human being, the first true, true human was Jesus. He was the new Adam, the first of the truly, truly human. The human being in the image of God, because he was God, become human, so that we would stop being devils and animals and become glorious. This is the promise that you offer us if we follow you. What an incredible promise. The incredible thing is, we can't screw it up. <laughs> the only way we screw it up is if we settle we say, I don't want to do discipleship because like, I just face something inside of me that's so terrible and so painful. I think I'd rather just stay in the animal world. And yet you, Jesus, you'll say, nope, nope, nope. You must become glorious because I love you. Huh. And would you give our members hope? And then from hope, the longing... And then out of the hope and longing, a step of faith that we will repent of our normal idiocy and put away the Phariseeism and long to be a real follower so we could be human like Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that that's the action. We know you're going to do this. You're going to do this you're not only going to do this in all those people who are doing life-on-life life mission to stuff. You're going to do this in them, certainly. But you're going to do it in our GLFs. You're going to do it on Sunday mornings. You're going to do it in our conversations. You're going to do it when we just hang out with each other. But we pray, Lord, nothing could stop revived church from becoming disciples and most gloriously, beautifully human like you, Jesus. We pray, Lord, in this hell-bound city filled with screeching and complaining and depressed and angry and super prideful devil animals, that we would put that away because we can. Because we can embrace you, Jesus. This incredible thing called the cross through, through which we get new humanity. Make us this way. Give us deep conviction and excitement, and wonder, and persistence, and perseverance, and may we see glory upon glory upon glory. In Jesus' name, amen.